When we read these prophecies and visions, we are not being asked to interpret them literally and try to predict some predetermined future by them. We're being challenged to allow their vision to capture our hearts and empower us to build the future they describe here among us. They aren't telling us what will happen, they're telling us what could happen if we will only dream bigger and give ourselves to creating the world they envision. They're saying, what if, and asking, can you believe it enough to live toward it? Hello everyone, and welcome to the Progressive Worship Podcast from SacredEyes.com, where we explore all the ways that our worship shapes and defines our lives. I'm John, and today I want to explore how our ideas about the end times shape our worship and mission, and why it's important that we dream bigger than our small sectarian visions of the future. Before we jump in, please rate this podcast and share it as widely as possible. It really helps others to learn about the Progressive Worship Podcast so that they can benefit from the work of Sacred Eyes too. And make sure that you subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you would like a written version of this podcast with more detail and practical suggestions for applying these principles in your life and church, then please head over to the Sacred Eyes Patreon page and sign up. You'll get access to the full version of this podcast Patreon-only content, and exclusive patron-only discounts on premium sacredized resources. You'll find the link in the description. Thank you so much. When I first came to faith as a teenager, I was introduced to the idea of the end of the world, the final judgment, the rapture, and the prophecies of the end times in the Bible. I had no idea that there were different ways to understand these prophecies and that the biblical picture of the end times is actually nothing like what I was taught. Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series hadn't been written yet, but I knew Larry Norman's song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I had seen Thief in the Night, the scary movie about the rapture that was used in youth groups across the world to scare young people into faith. But perhaps the picture of the end times that impacted me the most was from a book called The Seven Last Years. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was about the rapture and what happens afterward until the final glorious appearing of Jesus, as it was called. I read that book twice, and it shaped my vision of God, myself, the world, history, faith, and the afterlife for a long time. It was only many years later that I learned how flawed and even toxic this view of the future is. Our ideas about the end times are not neutral. They impact our world in dramatic ways that can lead to great suffering and damage or to great healing and creativity. But what terrifies me the most is that the foreign policies of powerful nations in our world are influenced and directed by these broken and destructive beliefs about the end of the world. We need a new and different eschatology, and we need it now. It's not an option if we are to overcome the conflict, inequality, and suffering in our world. So what is eschatology really? I was taught that the Bible's view of the end times was a blueprint for the future. But I was taught wrong. Eschatology is not a blueprint of the future. 
The words of the prophets are not predictions. The Bible does not give us a predetermined plan for how the world will end. Essentially, eschatology is a vision, a dream of what can be. It is a divinely inspired picture of what our world could be like if we all embodied the values and priorities of love and justice as Jesus and many other spiritual teachers have taught us. The Old Testament is full of prophets calling Israel to imagine a different world and a different way of being. When the kings tried to oppress and exploit their people, the prophets called them to a bigger dream. When Israel was tempted to believe that being the chosen people made them better and more loved by God than other nations, the prophets called them to a bigger dream. When Jesus was asked when God would restore Israel as a superpower as it was under David, Jesus called his listeners to a bigger dream. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit ignited a new passion for God's reign among Jesus' disciples, she broke all barriers of language and nationality and demonstrated in action God's bigger dream. And in the Revelation, the final book in our biblical canon, the writer paints a vision of people from every nation, tribe, language, culture, community, and way of believing, loving, and living gathered around God's throne in celebration. It's a glorious and magnificently bigger dream than most of us are taught to embrace. When we read these prophecies and visions, we're not being asked to interpret them literally and try to predict some predetermined future by them. We are being challenged to allow their vision to capture our hearts and empower us to build the future they describe here among us. They aren't telling us what will happen, they are telling us what could happen if we will only dream bigger and give ourselves to creating the world they envision. They're saying, what if, and asking, can you believe it enough to live toward it? And that means we need to release our unworthy little dreams. If our faith and worship is only about our individual happiness, our personal security and fulfillment, and our religion's triumph in the end, then our dream is too small. It is unworthy of God or of our world. If our missions are only about converting people to become like us in their thinking, believing, dressing, loving, and living, then our dream is too small. It's not worthy of God or of our world. If our hope is only about the destruction of our cosmos and our evacuation to some other blissful place reserved only for the chosen few who believe the right things, then our dream is too small. It's not worthy of God or of our world. So what does it mean to allow this bigger dream, this vision of what the world could be if we lived in unity, compassion, generosity, peace, love, acceptance, respect, and mindfulness of everyone and everything to shape our worship and mission in our churches? There is so much to say, but here are just three quick suggestions, and I go into more detail in the Patreon version of this post. Firstly, we need to make celebration a central feature of both our worship and our service of our world. We don't help ourselves and we don't help our world when we choose to become the grumpy grandparents of an unruly world. Rather, our music, prayers and preaching need to be filled with hope, creativity, possibility and joy. 
Secondly, we need to build our lives on creativity, not caution. When we allow beauty, creativity, passion and wonder to flow into and out from the sanctuary, it changes our vision, our expectations of what is possible and our capacity to endure hardship to build a better world. And finally, we can nurture a culture of confrontation of all that robs people of life and liberation. It begins with us as we refuse to allow injustice, inequity or exploitation to live in our churches and when we ensure that worship is just, inclusive, welcoming and safe for the vulnerable and marginalized. So what is the impact of this kind of eschatological worship? When our worship draws people into the vision of God's bigger dream for the world, it changes everything. Our values and priorities begin to line up with those of God's reign. We begin to see ourselves and one another differently through the lens of God's dream, and we begin to see and treat the world and the people around us differently too. As always, there is so much more that can be said, but I hope this podcast will inspire you to dream bigger. Let's not settle for little dreams that are only about us and our community. Let's join in the great cosmic dream of love, justice, unity, peace, joy and life that Jesus proclaimed. Because no other dream is worthy of our time, energy and resources. And no other dream is worthy of this glorious world that our Creator has given us. Next week, we start a new series. August is Women's Month in South Africa. So I thought I would try to honor that by exploring the importance of how we work with gender in our worship, both when speaking about God and about ourselves. But for now, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and may your worship define your life. I'll catch you next time.